Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Uh, It's good to have you here this morning. We are going to continue our series on the Beatitudes. And, And last week we talked about the first one, which was blessed are the poor in spirit. And really that's all we talked about was what it is to be poor in spirit. And we didn't get to the last portion for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so this week we want to talk about what is the kingdom of heaven and why it is so important. Let's pause and let's pray as we move forward. Lord, we are thankful for this time that we have. We are blessed in so many ways even to complain about air conditioning. Lord, uh, we thank you for the things that we do have, and we are mindful of those who are without. Lord, we are here with the blessings we have to bless others. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to extend ourselves to those not only locally, but in Mexico, Haiti, the other areas where we have uh, extended our community. Lord, may you continue to give us vision. May we continue to be generous, even as you have been to us. Bless our time together, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to talk about sleeping with loud music, sci-fi utopia movies, the arrow on the gas gauge, planting bamboo, youth retreats, and visiting a sick friend, okay? As I mentioned, we talked last week just about the first portion of the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. But really, for theirs is the kingdom of God is such an important theme. It was something that was really a focus of Jesus and throughout his ministry. And so we're going to touch on this in a lot of the ways that it shows up. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, or some translations will say, at hand. And don't you just love the word repent? Isn't that something that just makes you, conjures up visions of, you know, sandwich signs out on street corners or someone yelling out, repent, you know, the end is near. But we really need to understand the idea of repent because it it isn't something that is so much condemning as it is changing. And Jesus also said later on, In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So the kingdom is Jesus's message. It is something that is 
prominent. He's proclaiming the message of the kingdom, and it's the good message. And, and so it's not surprising that it would be the first part of this Sermon on the Mount, as we call it, because it is such a focus of his and throughout his ministry. And the idea of repenting, again, it's not condemning. It actually is to turn or return. It's a compound word that's metaneo, and it has to do with change your mind or change your thoughts. And I think it would be good for us to think of it in that way, to think of it as change the way you think about things, about life, about the things that you're doing, the things you should be doing, what you should turn to, what you should turn away from. There is a doctor in Orange County, Dr. Daniel Amen. Amen. Uh, And he does a lot of research on the brain and neurology. And one of my sons went there and they do a brain spec analysis. And what they do is they put all these things on your brain and then they have you answer a lot of questions and do different things and they see what parts of your brain light up and what parts don't because it's like putting a puzzle together to figure these things out. And so as my son was there and he was going through this test and they have him doing math problems and answering questions and doing things and then they would have him pause. And what they found out is that when he was actually engaged mentally, his brain was operating well. But when he stopped, his brain went crazy. It was just the synapses or whatever those things are called. I'm talking about more than I know right now, right? It was snapping around and this, it was just going crazy. And you see, one of the things that he had was that kind of a problem where his mind would not slow down. And when he was younger... He used to listen to music when he would go to sleep. But it wasn't like, you know, nice music. He wasn't listening to Coldplay or something, you know, Chris Tomlin. He was listening to this heavy, you know, it's like Avenged Sevenfold. And you'd go in there in his room and you'd hear, and I'd be, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm going to sleep. Like, how can you sleep to that? He goes, it helps me to sleep. And of course, me being the understanding parent that I was, I say, no, it doesn't take those out. And I didn't realize that I was actually not helping him, that that music was actually helping his brain to settle down because of some of the things that he was having. And one of the things that Daniel Amen has found out is that you can actually change your brain. You can actually heal your brain. For years, they thought that your brain, once it gets set, that's it. But they found that with diet and with different things that you can do, you can actually change the way your brain operates, which is great news, right? I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to change the way I think, right? I'm going to gauge that. But you see, What does he want to get us to do? He wants us to see things different. He wants us to think about things different. And the kingdom of heaven is to be a focus of our thought. And so it's real important that we lean into this understanding of what is the kingdom of heaven. One of the things that he says is has come near or is at hand. And what does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is 
at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come near. I, I had so long thought that the kingdom of heaven has come near because Jesus has come near, but it's still something that is going to come later on. The same word that he used for come near is used later on in Matthew 26, verses 46 and 47. This is when Judas is betraying Jesus. He says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. That word here comes is the same word that is used that we just mentioned. It's at hand. It's so when it's here, it comes, it could be happening right now. It's not like years away and it's not in a distance. It's actually happening at that moment. And, and I think this is important because if we understand this aspect of the kingdom of heaven not being something distant and far away or futuristic, but something that is present, how do we engage it? How do we participate with what Jesus is talking about? And I think there's a few things that we want to understand about that. We want to know, first of all, what did the kingdom of heaven mean to Jesus? And first of all, behind the kingdom was Israel's hope for their nation to be restored. When you would say the kingdom in the mind of the Israelites, they had a very clear thought about their nation being restored. It was a part of their history. It was something that was talked about. It was something that was hoped in. The disciples would talk to Jesus, at this time are you going to restore the nation of Israel? Why? Because that's what they thought when they thought of the kingdom. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, one of the promises that was given the Lord will make you, talking about Israel, the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left. Follow other gods and serving them. You see, their thought was if we follow God, then the kingdom of God will be with us. As a nation, and this was a prevalent way of thinking at their time. Shortly after Jesus had left in the resurrection and ascension, there came some revolts. Some were by zealots that just wanted to try and get rid of the rule of Rome. And some of them were small and they dispersed pretty easily. But later on, there was a rabbi, Barcoba, who led another revolt that was crushed by Rome. And the fact that it was led by a rabbi shows the spiritual influence that was there behind that. Because the mindset was, we are the children of God, and if we just live right, follow the law, then God will be with us and establish the kingdom again through us. And it was so devastating, the defeat that they had. Rome actually changed the name from Israel to Palestine at that time because they were trying to totally erase their memory. But this was the thought process that they had. Now, the closest that Israel ever got to this kind of kingdom was with King David and King Solomon. 
That's when they were united. That's when they were a presence in the world. But after that, it never happened again. And their thought was, if we would just be obedient to the law, then God will establish his kingdom once again to us. The prophets would speak about God bringing about this kingdom. And one of the ways that it shows up, it looks like this. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, you can follow along if you have there in your scripture. It says, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little boy will lead them. And the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play with the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The idea is that God would bring peace, shalom, to the world to the nations, that there would be righteousness, there would be justice, and it would be for everybody for the entire earth. Can you imagine a world where there is justice, complete, perfect justice that's not biased, that can't be bought, that even if you don't have a good lawyer, the truth still comes out? Right? I had a stepfather who got busted years ago, years and years ago, for drugs. And he actually paid, I think it was like $10,000 to one of the judges to get a lenient sentence. And I knew that as a kid. So imagine how that made me feel about the justice system. I just need to get a good job, right? And so what if there was no partiality? And the idea of righteousness, remember, righteousness is a personal justice. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it actually means that personal justice. And so the whole idea is when the kingdom of God comes, there is going to be this kind of reign, this kind of justice. And we've all seen what happens in those sci-fi utopia movies, right? where they're supposed to be the perfect society, right? There's Gattaca. That's one of my favorites. I had to look some up. Minority Report. Remember the one in time where the people who are rich get more time to buy life? Some of you are looking at me like you don't follow sci-fi movies. But anyway, trust me, there are these movies out there that talk about these things. And in all these movies, things are skewed. Right? In all these movies, the ones who have the power, have the wealth, are the ones who do well. And then the others are used and abused and mistreated. And it's only the ones who are privileged who have the ability to enjoy these things. And you see, that was the problem, is the people that were abusing and using other people for their own gain. And the kingdom of God doesn't have that attached to it. The second idea of the kingdom, the basic meaning of the biblical words translated kingdom is rule, right? It's having that kind of rule. To belong to a kingdom was to live under the authority of the king. 
So the kingdom of heaven is everything that is God's government. Perhaps the easiest way to understand its meaning is with Jesus's words when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want God's rule to show up in our life, in our world. That's kingdom rule. But again, the problem is the people. The problem is us because we are people. The problem is how we deal with these things. And God's kingdom is wherever his will is done. And so when Jesus would say the kingdom of God is at hand or is near, it is right there when the will of God is being done, the kingdom of God is being set. It's being established. It's being laid out on earth as it is in heaven. And by heaven, we mean God's presence not a place far away. God's will is for perfect peace in every person, society, and the world. That's what all the prophets would talk about. That's where this justice would reign. That's where those who were weak and hungry and impoverished, Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. Why? That's what the kingdom looks like. And so the kingdom shows up in these ways. It's thirdly referred to as the realm. The realm was whatever lay under a king's authority. It might help us to grasp the idea of realm since we don't have that except for maybe in some games that we play, you know, the realm of whatever it is. But the idea might be used in a dimension. It's a place where... God shows up in his justice and his goodness to prove himself through the people that are there. The kingdom of heaven is a dimension that intersects between earth and heaven, time and eternity, humanity and God, a dimension where God's power is present and directly affects the world. That would be the rule. But... Why then were the poor in spirit to be blessed? For them, the kingdom of heaven had come. Theirs is the kingdom. Their lives intersected with the infinite. You see, it wasn't one day you'll die and everything will get better. It was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's showing up right now. And where your trouble is and where eternity is, they're intersecting right now. And the rule of God gets to show up in you and through you and from you to others. And so there is a recognition that something else is happening even in my circumstances. Even when it doesn't look like anything good is happening, there is good that can take place. But there's an obvious problem here. The problem is God's kingdom doesn't look like it's arrived. It doesn't show up in a way that's recognized, especially at that time, right? They're seeing Roman rule. They're seeing Roman temples to their gods being built. Caesar is the largest growing religion at that time. And so many people are bowing and paying tribute to him, not to this Christ, 
And so how do we put these things together? And so we need to talk about the mystery that is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus would go on and talk about. It's these things, these signposts that they didn't even recognize. You guys have ever seen those videos or those things, you know, if you're on online and you say, here's the, you know, top 10 things that you didn't know what they meant, right? And it's like got the, the pasta server, and there's a hole in the middle of the pasta server, and that's meant to measure a pasta, right? Or on the gas gauge, there's a little arrow. That tells you which side the gas tank fills up on, right? Those things, it's like, who knew? Until I had, you know, internet and found out, ah, now I can measure pasta if I cooked it, right? And now I don't have to wonder and look out the rearview mirror and find out where my gas gauge, I can say, there it is. It's on that arrow right there. Amazing. Well, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, it was showing up, but they weren't quite understanding it. And so Jesus has to come and help people connect to these things that they don't understand. And he does it in parables. And so we're going to talk on some of these parables real quickly, again, just to open our understanding, to change our thinking, to help us see what Jesus was referring to about the kingdom of heaven and why blessed are those who are poor in spirit and why it's so important for the kingdom of heaven to be ours. In Matthew 13, verses 10 and 11, his disciples came to him and say, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The things that people haven't known I'm revealing these things. And remember, mystery isn't something you can't know. It's something that you can forever know and learn. It is something that you go on knowing and learning. And and in their mind, kingdom meant power. Kingdom meant spectacular. When God delivered the nation through, you know, the miracles that happened in Egypt, it was powerful. It was dynamic. It was in their stories. It was in their mind. And that's what they were looking for. That's what they wanted. And so now Jesus is coming and he's saying, there's something mysterious going on. And I have to bring it out. Jesus did some amazing and miraculous things, but there was no evidence of a change of power in their perception. So one purpose through the parables was to explain this problem. How could the kingdom be present when things aren't changing? And... I think that is so important for us today because we can look at things around us and get very fearful. We can lose hope, discouragement because we don't like the things that we see. How can God be present when it doesn't look like there's change going on? And it's important that we see maybe there's a mystery happening right here. It's at hand. We have to change our perspective. We have to think differently to see these things. Matthew thirteen thirty one, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows... It is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds come and perch in its branches. How could a kingdom, a realm, a rule be compared to something so small? I mean, birds could eat it. 
The sun can scorch it. The wind could blow it away and it could be lost. And it's so interesting because the mustard seed is really more of a weed than a tree. And so the whole idea isn't that it gets to be big in stature, is that it just gets to spread everywhere. I had a friend who planted bamboo in his backyard and then he changed his mind. But the bamboo did not change its mind. Bamboo, I guess, is like some apocalyptic plant where once you plant it, it's there forever. I mean, he tore that thing up. He took it out and it kept growing. He put gas on it. He tried everything he knew. The bamboo just kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, right? It would not be stopped. And you see, when Jesus is talking about this mustard seed, these seeds are so small, they would just spread everywhere. And pretty soon, even though they're so small, Because they spread everywhere, they start growing everywhere. And the kingdom of heaven is like this small seed that pretty soon is a foundation for life that starts to accumulate and take lodging in it. And what seemed to be invisible, what seemed to be so minuscule, what seemed to be so small, ends up being so paramount It wasn't even noticed. And as he starts to bring this about, the whole idea here is it could easily be overlooked. You could easily miss what is happening until you take notice. It's real. It's alive with this divine energy that starts to show up in a million different places in a million different hearts, in people, small, poor in spirit, and they carry with them the life of God that starts to grow in them and through them to others. And it starts to develop even more. Matthew 13, 33, he told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. This was a daily occurrence. They baked bread every day. And what they would do is they would take a piece of bread from the dough that they had, they would set it aside, and they would let it ferment. It would take some days, and it would ferment and and turn into yeast. And then when they would have this fermented dough, they would put it in the other dough, And then they would mix it. But Jesus doesn't use the word mix. He uses the word hid. Now, in some translations, it says hid because that's what, or mix, because that's what you think you do. But if you find like the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, it's actually the word to conceal and to hide. And why would he use that word? Because there's another word he could use that means mix. But he uses the word hide intentionally because here is this yeast now, this fermented dough. It gets hidden in there, but it permeates throughout. And now the whole dough rises because of this little bit that was put in. But it was done secretly. It was done quietly. It was done without fanfare but it affected 
everything. How many of you have been affected by people and their goodness towards you? I think most of us have. My life has been changed because of people's goodness. I have changed direction and thinking and action because of the goodness of people. I have been brought to places of humility because of the goodness of people. And it's been a good thing for me. It's affected me. It's changed me. And it's like the kingdom of God spreading through their life into my life and making me a better person, a person of righteousness, personal justice, a person who cares about others more than just myself. Now, I ain't that all the time. I'm just letting you know. But I've been affected. And you see, this is what's taking place. It starts to show up in these things. Another one later on in that chapter, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. How many people who are followers of Christ look like they found a treasure? Just something to think about, right? (laughs) Don't look at me, right? (laughs) Not that the morning I had, you know, it's like, no, But here's this idea of finding something and selling all that you have because of the joy of what you found. Gosh, I was a youth pastor for years, have four children, or they're not children anymore, had four children that grew into adults that we sent off to youth camp, youth retreats, right? And I don't know how many times I heard and said and heard said to them, You need to give 100% to Jesus, right? Anyone hear that? You got to give 100%. And then someone who's really bold and really charismatic, you need to give 110%, which is impossible, but just to throw a little more pressure on the kids. Yeah, it's not enough. 100%, I got to give more than I am, right? And this idea of pressure, and I don't know about you, but it's not fun when you have to give 100%. There's nothing joyous about having to do something. But finding something that you want to do and you choose to do that you are willing to do because it is more valuable than everything else. Well, that's different. You see, the kingdom of heaven isn't something being forced on you. It's this treasure you find. And it's so good. And it's so gracious towards you. And it's so liberating to the guilt and the shame that we carry so many times that you gladly abandon all the other things so that you can obtain this, so that you can have this. And now it's a want to, not a have to. And I don't know about you, but I love it when my children want to see me, not when they have to. Father's Day, we have to see dad, right? When it's just a Tuesday and they say, hey, dad, can we come hang out? No, wait for Father's Day. No, of course, right? It's like, yeah. (laughs) I've seen you enough in my life. Uh, Of course, that's what I want. I want them to want to be with me. And this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's these things. The parables 
had a very specific purpose. Analogies meant to challenge and reform our mental models of what a kingdom was and and where a kingdom was and how a kingdom showed up. Jesus used parables to introduce us to the realm of the spirit and to the work that God is doing even into the poor in spirit. Matthew 13, 52, he said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. A disciple of the kingdom of heaven. A disciple is a learner. And so here, every teacher of the law who's become a disciple of the kingdom, they're having to bring from the storeroom new treasures as well as old. You see, to be a disciple of the kingdom means hearing and remaining focused on the message of what is the kingdom of God and bringing that into your life. And so I wonder, the key to spiritual Formation, the key to reforming our minds and thinking, the, the kingdom of heaven mentality is bringing this understanding of what God's rule is here and now and doing it in every area, right? God, may your will be done in my time of prayer. May your will be done in my time of reading. May your will be done in my conversations with people was in an intense conversation with some people. I say intense because it was an argument, right? But intense sounds nice. It was pretty intense. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of heat and no light whatsoever. It was just very verbally abusive and ugly. And the response when you're seeing And hearing injurious words wants to be to injure back. But the kingdom of heaven looks like grace. The kingdom of heaven looks like peace. The kingdom of heaven looks like a lamb that is lost, that needs to be found. The kingdom of heaven isn't vindictive. And so it shows up in the conversation in a different way. Yesterday, Karina and I visited an old friend. Many of you know Ralph Hernandez. Ralph and Cookie. Cookie, uh, his wife. I got a call from Alyssa, his granddaughter, who's up in Oregon right now. And she said, can you go visit my grandfather? He's not doing well. It doesn't look like he has long to live. And I want you to pray for Cookie. Pray for Ralph. Ralph has Alzheimer's. And it's very bad. He's forgotten now how to walk, and he's on the last days of his life. And I was sitting there with Cookie and Manny, his brother, and some of the family, some of the kids and the grandkids, and we were talking. And Cookie was just so frustrated and hurt and angry. Right? She's just sharing all the things that she's going through. You know, I, I just feel like, you know, he knows what to do. Why isn't he doing it? But you see, his brain doesn't know anymore and it's not working right. 
And so it's hard for her to hold on to the fact that he's not who she's known for all these years and been married to for all these years and loved for all these years. And to see him being so distant, seeing her and not knowing who she is, seeing the kids not recognizing him, it's just devastating. And as she is just moved to tears and we're moved to tears with her, just sitting there talking with her, it's like, what, what do you bring to someone? How do you comfort this? See, all I could tell her is, Cookie, right now where you are, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are in situations like you, You're blessed, not because of the situation, because this situation sucks, right? It just stinks. It's ugly. It's painful. It's a lot of work. The blessing isn't in the situation. The blessing is the kingdom of God is also right here and is present. And the work of God is taking place in you and is able to take place through you. And you can cry. It's okay. And you can hurt It's okay, because God is with you right here, right now. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It is something they hold on to. It is something they can begin to wrap their minds around, begin to see with different eyes, begin to understand Its presence shows up not in strength and in fanfare. It shows up in a broken heart that cries out to God. And God says, I hear you. And I'm here. And the love you have and the love you show, it is like seed being spread out throughout this world. And it's going to take root and it's going to grow. And you're affecting all these people around you. One last verse. I can't conclude without quoting it. After another teaching, when Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. If you feel like God is dissident, you need to understand that he's saying, it's right here. He's pleased to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you the kingdom. It's there for you. When your children come and they ask for something that's good for them and that you're able to give it, don't you? Aren't you happy? To give it, my grandson, if I give him a car, any car is like the best gift in the world. All I need to, it could be a dollar car and I give it to him and the smile on his face, I just gave him the kingdom, right? It's just like, yes. And to see that smile, it just lights my heart up. It's the father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so let's change how we think. Let's understand that the kingdom of God is not out in the future somewhere. It's not out in the sky somewhere. That the kingdom of heaven is here and is at hand and is showing in his people that he does. When the rule of God takes place in the heart of his people, the kingdom of God is being established.
And it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, help us to see and think differently. May we repent from a mindset that has you so far away. May we take all these parables and these analogical things that you said to help us grasp what it is that's really taking place. That the kingdom of heaven, it's like the mustard seed. It's like the treasure. It's like the leaven. Lord, it shows up in the smallest of ways and it has a hidden effect that spreads and can't be stopped. Lord, may our minds grasp hold of this. May our lives lean in. May it be our desire to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, everything else will be added. But what's important are these things. Lord, I do pray for those who are in situations of struggle right now, those who are hurting, whether it be emotionally, physically, financially, and feel that you are distant, Lord. May they understand the fullness of blessed are the poor in spirit, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven that you are as near as could be and it is your desire, your pleasure to give us the kingdom right where we are at in our struggle. Give us eyes to see, give us hearts to understand so that we can live lives that reflect who you are, your goodness, your mercy, your love. We do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you change the way you think and recognize that the kingdom of heaven has come near. May it change you and allow the rule of God to show up in you. May you be like the mustard seed. Allow yourself to grow and affect the lives of everyone around you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.